Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our first sponsor today is Navy Hair Care. I have been working with Navy Hair Care since they launched back in 2018. At that time, I was about a year postpartum with our third child, and my hair was experiencing some trouble after some significant postpartum hair loss. Navy really helped to strengthen my hair, and I noticed a big difference about one to two months after using it regularly. With biotin, vitamins, and rosemary oil, this shampoo and conditioner combo has been part of my daily routine for years now. I also use the charcoal mask every one to two weeks to help revitalize my hair. It helps to dry out toxins, heavy metals, and impurities, which we have plenty of since we have well water. This mask will leave your hair feeling incredibly soft and lightweight. You can use the code Lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-Y, for 30% off your order. And I will leave the links to the products I mentioned within the show notes. Hello everyone. Today I will be chatting with Whitney Sally Fister. Whitney is a mother of twin girls in Cincinnati, Ohio. She works outside the home in corporate sales and a manufacturing role, and she enjoys cooking, spending time with girlfriends and traveling the world with her family. I have started to incorporate personal stories from those in this community, and today's story will talk about C-section preparedness and recovery. Whitney will share her story, what she wishes she knew beforehand, what she learned, and how to advocate for yourself along the way. Just a heads up, this podcast episode is a candid conversation where we talk about graphic things that can happen postpartum. And if you are someone that likes to be prepared for anything, this is perfect. But if you are someone that would rather not know what's ahead, you may want to save this for later. I hope to follow this episode up with an expert who can talk with us about C-section scar recovery and care. So stay tuned for that. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode. This podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right, everybody. We have Whitney Salee Fister here on the podcast this morning. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I'm excited because having had four children vaginally, I cannot speak to C-section recovery whatsoever. And I thought it'd be fun to get a perspective of one of you telling us what you wish you knew ahead of time, what you learned, what you think is necessary as far as, you know, of course, in today's day and age, there's a product for freaking everything. I feel like I went from having all the things with my first and then narrowed it down 
to like 25% of the things by the time I had my fourth, because I was like, okay, this is useless. Won't use this. Use this once. Do you know what I mean? So, and I'm sure like there's this whole market for C-section recovery. Like you need this, you need that. So I'm excited to hear from you today, Whitney. So happy to have you on. So I would love to start with just, first of all, like how you kind of prepped and what you wish you knew about anything that you needed to know beforehand? Like, did you know you were going to have one or was it a surprise during kind of telling us a little bit about that and what you wish might've been different, what you learned from it. And then the afterward, what you wish you knew and and what you learned. Okay. Yeah, sure. So I have twins. They are my only children. I have given birth one time and it was a cesarean. So my fraternal girls were born at 38 weeks. So as far as the prep, I had all the time to prep because I was on bed rest for three and a half months leading up to that glorious day. So, you know, researching, Googling books, all the things. Fortunately, I do technically have a desk job. So I would be laying there with my giant belly and answering emails and just trying to work and absorb information as much as I possibly could. So prep wise, that's what I did. Did it matter once I had the C-section? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so glad you did it all. So glad. Not, not really. It really didn't. And I think that's for a for a variety of reasons. So trying to mentally prepare yourself for becoming a first-time parent is is a feat in and of itself. But then to layer in this major surgery, I don't think people realize <laughs> It is truly, a, this is not like a, you know, I've had my gallbladder removed. This is not like a, a you know, a zap, zap, you're done. I mean, it's it's a real event. <laughs> sure. And you use your abs for everything. You, you, you don't realize, but like everything, right? And then to have babies that you need to carry around or breastfeed, you know, it, I mean, crazy, like so hard. So just sitting there in the hospital bed afterwards, which I'll get to in a minute, but like, just to your point, you use your stomach for everything. And not to mention the fluids and the anesthesia, you know, the epidural. I mean, all of that could technically be discussed however you bring a child into the world, certainly. But yeah, major surgery. So the prep, I read a lot. I don't really think it mattered a whole lot. But one thing that I wish I knew before, and this might sound totally ridiculous, but my water broke. I was in labor. This was not a a scheduled date and my water broke and my contractions were getting really, really strong and I'm in the hospital. And then the reason I was on the bed rest was because of discordance between my girls. One was a full pound larger from a very, very, you know, early stage in the pregnancy. So I was on bed rest to try to balance out their weight and, you know, contractions were getting stronger and stronger. My OB comes in. She says, hey, what are you thinking? Do you want to push? Do you want to, you know? So, you know, she starts getting out the ultrasound equipment and kind of checking to see their positions and all that stuff. And the, the fact was baby B had done somersaults throughout the whole pregnancy and there was a solid chance she would continue flipping all the way until the end. <laughs> so there would be a solid chance I would deliver baby A vaginally and baby B via cesarean. And I thought, hell no, I'm not doing both. <laughs> oh my, can you imagine? No, and I, I know there's women that do it and you're rock stars, but oh word, I could not have gone from a vaginal delivery to 
than having to recover from a C-section. <laughs> Absolutely not. So I said, you know, my husband and I, my partner and I spoke, we're like, okay, let's just, let's just do this. All the while though, I'm having contractions through all of this. I mean, and they're getting strong. I mean, to make these decisions, to talk to him, to talk to my OB. And it was getting more intense and more intense. And finally, I said, okay, we're going to go cesarean. She said, all right, well, let me go get everything prepped. But the contractions continued and they're getting stronger. So the prep, the, the, honestly, one of the biggest mysteries of my life, I never knew how dilated I was before these kids came into the world. It was kind of like, I really wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How far did I get? <laughs> and they never checked. And I never asked them to check because I had already made the call. So that was just one random thing that I had thought about when you reached out to your community about just interesting things about the cesarean. It sounds so stupid, but I still wonder. I'm like, man, I was in a lot of pain. I wonder how far along I was. Where was I? I know. And it's a mystery to me too, because, you know, I'll talk to people and there, there'll be women who are like, oh, you know, I went from zero to 10 in an hour. And then there's people like me who went from zero to 10 with my first in 20 hours, you know? So it's like, I mean, and, and for what it's worth, like I, oh, it's just, it's horrific. I mean, just like having to go through. I I feel like you really truly do forget though. Like, right. Like there's just like this, this absence of like, oh, I, it was fine. It wasn't that bad. And like this in between, in between babies, you know, but with my fourth, I think I knew better because the whole time I was pregnant with my fourth, it's all I thought about all day. I was like, okay, I have this, this, I have to push the baby out my vagina. Like I, I really have to center myself right now. <laughs> Kept slicing myself funny? out. Yeah. You, you forget in between and I guess. Totally forget. The, the you circle totally... of life. So we keep procreating, I guess. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like <laughs> it is bizarre. But then of course, you know, the second you start getting contractions again, you're like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember this. I remember all of it. <laughs> This only ends one way. It's coming back to me. Yeah. And, and and the other thing about that is I didn't have anything to compare it to. My mother had vaginal deliveries for myself and my two siblings, all of my aunts and grandmothers and all my friends up to that point had had vaginal deliveries. So I really didn't have a whole lot of give me the scoop. Yeah. Like experience from other people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so... The before stuff, you know, okay, fine. We're, we're chugging along. Mystery of my life. Never knew how dilated I was. Fine. Go through, have the epidural, get all prepped. You know, you're in the super sterile room. You're in the OR. This is something that I, I don't, I don't know what the opinion will be of your listeners, but so I'm laying there and I, we didn't know what we were having. Right. So as far as assigned announced genders in the, in the room, but my doctor delivers baby A. She the baby starts crying, and the doctor squeals, "It's a girl." And then it's baby B's turn. Baby starts crying. Doctor squeals, "It's another girl." And in all the books, and all the TV shows, and all of the Google activity that happened while on bed rest, the movies, the overproduced Instagram posts, all the things. You know, the moms immediately burst into happy tears of joy. It doesn't matter if it's a vaginal delivery or a cesarean. I'm here to say I did not do that. <laughs> sure did not. I was thrilled. I was in total shock. And there are pictures of me in the OR that look like I'm crying. But if you zoom in, there are no tears. My eyes were dry. 
<laughs> it was like the well was dry and it took a long time. It took a long time to understand like, that's okay. Like your immediate reaction to having people pulled out of your stomach doesn't have to be tears of joy. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're allowed to have whatever reaction you want. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's fine if you do, but I just thought, is something wrong with me? Like mm-hmm, what? Mm-hmm. Why am I? Let me psychoanalyze this. Yeah. Why are tears not streaming down my face? What's wrong? Is it the epidural? (laughs) (laughs) Probably just the shock of it all, honestly. Yeah. Right. Like I. So I didn't find out with my my last three. So I only found out with my first. And with my last three, I I mean, I had the same reaction as you. I didn't even ask what it what the baby was. Like the baby came out, and it was like a good solid like like couple of minutes each time. Before, like, oh, yeah, before they were like, oh, wait, yeah, you don't know. Oh, it's a boy. Oh, it's a, like, and again, still was like, okay, you know, what next? Like, I just, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you go through like all of this, like trauma, you know, and then you're, and then you're supposed to be excited about this thing. And of course it's wonderful and beautiful and all of those things. And I think it, you know, my personality is such that like, okay, I got through this and I, I didn't even think to ask. I was just like, thank goodness the baby is breathing well and healthy. Right. Exactly. So that resonates with me. You know, it might not with everybody, but that's, yeah, I mean, I totally get it. Something else I thought about, and this does actually, I mean, because we can talk my lack of reaction or reaction of, of my own that It could have been after a vaginal delivery like yours or a cesarean. But something that happened immediately after my cesarean was the girls were being checked out across the OR. I kept looking at my husband. I mean, you're strapped to the table. Obviously, you're not going anywhere. Um, You know, he kept looking back at me, giving me the thumbs up. And then all of a sudden, I realized now my arms were stretched out. I was making I was in a T position. And they were shaking and I was shivering. I felt really cold. Yeah. And I, you know, they, they might've given me a heads up about this in a book, some article, or maybe right before it all happened. I don't know. I don't remember. But when I say I started shaking, I felt like I was going to convulse off the table. Major. Nobody talked about that. No, no one talks about that, but it, oh my gosh, it happens. (laughs) Yeah. A nurse, a nurse came over and she placed a warm blanket on one of my arms. Well, it, that did nothing. So then she placed another blanket on the other. And then as time went on, my husband just kept like going to the drawer of the blankets (laughs) and piling them up. I looked like it was like a princess in the pea moment. I'm like, under all of these stacks of these warm blankets, nobody talks about that. And no, it, made, I know. it made us really nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. And I didn't know it happened as violently after C-sections, but I mean, it is, it's a wild thing that happens. I mean, you, although I did, I spiked a fever with two of mine. So I, of course that was also an issue because you'll get like the rigors beforehand. But I mean, it's that hormone, it's the hormone release. And, and it is like a wild ride. Like you, you have no control over your body parts. Like they just shake out of control. I honestly thought, is something wrong with the epidural? Is it climbing? Is it, you know, is something wrong with my, am am I, is something wrong with closing me up? I mean, I didn't know. Nobody talks about it's a hormone release. Nobody says anything. And then the post. And I honestly, I feel like afterwards, I feel like (laughs) there needs to be a warning 
for your listeners before I say some of this. Okay, warning, warning. Oh, trigger warning. Trigger um, warning. So no one talks about blood clots mm-hmm. to the degree that I feel like the topic needs to be addressed. <laughs> I knew that passing blood cl- I mean, I knew blood clots were a thing after, obviously. There's a lot of blood in your body that isn't normally there and, you know, your body is just been rocked no matter how you just had a baby or two. But I knew that passing them after a C-section might be slightly different. Just the way I understood it was just because contractions have to do with kind of breaking all of that up and, you know, pre and then post delivery, perhaps with a cesarean, maybe it wouldn't be quite the same because you didn't go through all of that. And I don't know. I mean, that's the way I understood it. Therefore, I understood that clots after a cesarean could potentially be maybe a little more intense. Well, that's not necessarily what alarmed or shocked me. It was the process in which a nurse came in and manually, manually massaged my uterus with staples and glue holding together my fresh incision to break up these clots. It felt like I was in a medieval <laughs> like Game of Thrones scene situation. It was really, I mean, I wish someone could have prepared me either <laughs> for that or maybe for some things ahead of time that could prevent that <laughs> from happening at all. I truly do. That was a really hard moment after having my girls. Yeah, I can yeah. I can vouch that it was hard without the fresh incision. So I only Is needed that it a because thing? Do they so do no, that? no, I only so I only needed it with my last two. So when you're hemorrhaging, so I hemorrhaged after my last two babies. And a way that they try is they try to get the uterus to clamp down to stop the bleeding. So you might have been bleeding a lot at that point. And so they needed to massage you to try to get the uterus to try to clamp down. But I had two people on my stretcher with my third because he came out so fast. And thank goodness, because he had his cord wrapped around twice. But two people on my stretcher, on my stretcher, I was like, get off of me. Massaging my my uterus. And I was, I remember, I remember screaming like I was screaming I didn't because I didn't get an epidural I didn't get anything with him and I was just hysterical like I mean and you know for people listening like don't get scared about this because this may very well not happen to you at all right but if if people start doing this this is what it is and it happens to people and it's normal but it's it can be it can be a very painful situation because your uterus is just so tender and so I cannot in a million years imagine having like this fresh incision and then have but but it's a necessary thing you know in order to get your uterus to do what it needs to do well that makes sense that yeah. makes and and hey <laughs> now i finally got a few more answers thanks for talking <laughs> to you Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. This is what makes it America's number one meal kit. Being a mother of four and having an incredibly fast-paced daily routine, I love that HelloFresh offers quick and fresh recipes. Their latest line of meals are ready in less than 15 minutes. Try out their falafel power bowls or seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce. 
Every week you can choose from over 35 recipes that include a variety of options, including vegetarian, vegan, low carb, and more. You can choose calorie smart and carb smart recipes, or even customize select meals by swapping proteins or sides, upgrading your proteins, or adding protein to a veggie dish. HelloFresh saves me time because it cuts out the grocery shopping and makes meal prep really easy on busy nights. Some meals that I would recommend include meatloaf a la mom, salsa verde chicken enchiladas, and chipotle rubbed chicken salad. You can get 21 free meals and free shipping by going to hellofresh.com slash lindsay21. That's L-Y-N-Z-Y 21. Go to hellofresh.com slash lindsay21 and use the code lindsay21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. This episode is sponsored by Cozy Earth. The average person sleeps for eight hours per day, which means that an average person will sleep for 229,961 hours in their lifetime, or basically one third of their life. I have always been an advocate in investing where you sleep. Let's start with sheets. My favorite pick from Cozy Earth are the bamboo sheets. They're temperature regulating, incredibly soft, and they were named one of Oprah's favorite things in 2018. They also have luxurious pillows, blankets, duvet covers, loungewear, and more. If you are looking for a great Valentine's gift this year, look no further than Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth has developed and crafted high-quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials from the earth. All of their products can be returned or exchanged within 100 days and include an additional 10-year warranty against defects. If you do decide to return, they will pay for the return shipping and issue a refund to the original payment method or give store credit once received to their warehouse. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today. 35% off site-wide when you use the code LINDSAY. That's L-Y-N-Z-Y. Go to CozyEarth.com and use the code LINDSAY, L-Y-N-Z-Y, for 35% off. The code will also be in my show notes. But just in that moment, and you know, there are some some people who have babies that don't want to know this stuff. They don't want to know. They want to go, you know, go into it in a, a blinding, blindful bliss. And that is okay. I respect that. I am not one of those people. <laughs> I wish that I would have had a little bit more of a of a heads up on hey things like this could could really happen. And another thing that happened as as far as like the extended part of all of this. So <laughs> I wish I would have known that catheters are not a big deal until they are a big deal. <laughs> You know, I had been, I had had to have a few catheters actually placed throughout my pregnancy for a variety of reasons, but obviously I had one for the cesarean and, you know, following the surgery, I had no idea, or maybe it's just an epidural in general. You could, you could be the one to tell me. I had no idea though, that your body needed a minute (laughs) to possibly remember how to do something as simple as pee. Oh, I know. I, I couldn't. Yeah. I know. I get straight straight cast after all of them because that's another thing that they try to do is empty your bladder to try to get you from hemorrhage. Yeah. So that was like immediately the second thing that happened 
after they were clamping down <laughs> on my uterus. And I was like, oh, wait, now you're doing it again. Like, what is happening? Yeah. 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 So you were you were Game of Thrones. And then they come <laughs> in with the straight cat. Oh, and I still had my catheter in from the surgery. So then they're pumping you full of all the liquids, of course, you know, and, and then they remove the catheter and they take me into the bathroom to try to go to the bathroom. And I sat there and they're trying to do all the tricks. Like I'm, I'm spraying myself. I'm running water. I mean, I'm, I'm doing all of the things and my body will not go to the bathroom. It will, I will not pee. I cannot pee. So therefore, I waddle back to the bed with the incision and I lay there and they're like, well, we have to straight, we have to do it again. We have to, you've got to have another catheter. Fine. Lindsay, I went through this process four times, four times. And no one told me that there might be a possibility that you could get a pretty gnarly UTI after going through that. So I did. I did. <laughs> I had never had a UTI. <laughs> and I just, you know, it's like you, you deal with that and then the recovery of surgery. And then, and then, oh, by the way, now you have these two kids, these, <laughs> yeah, these two little kids. babies to take oh. care of. It was just a lot. I just yeah. wish, you know, maybe somebody would have talked more about those real things that wouldn't have scared me, I don't think. I really mm -hmm. don't. I think it just might have empowered me a bit more to ask more questions. Well, I think you're mm -hmm. right, though. I mean, everybody's different, right? The way they handle information. So there's people that are, you know, their personality is such that they want to be prepared. I want to know that these things might happen to me, even if, even if it's only like a, you know, 50% chance. I just, I want to know, I, I like to be aware of like what might happen. And then there's other people that are like, I'll just deal with it when it happens, if it happens, you know, and, and I want to be in the dark and I don't want to know what's coming and there's no right or wrong to any of it. It's just the way that your, your mind kind of processes information and handles, you know, what's coming at you, you know? So, exactly. um, yeah, well, those are just some of the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe you know, your next step could just be like, I feel like it, there needs to be a bunch of women who have all had cesareans, right? And then you can even get some of the people in the, from the medical field that are giving their medical perspective on things that write a book that's like, here's all of the different things that can happen. And they might not happen, but like this is to prepare you. And there might be a book like that out there, but I don't know. I mean, did you, did well, you find one out there? I don't know. I I, I don't know. I I'm not somebody that wants to sit here and like swap war stories or necessarily, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things where I truly believe that if I had had a bit more knowledge about some of this stuff, I would have at least, you know, it wouldn't have stopped any of it from happening necessarily, but I just would have felt more empowered through a lot of it. And when your body all of a sudden truly becomes not your own <laughs> for possibly the first time, if you're a first time mom and, you know, it's just a very overwhelming experience, no matter how you slice and dice it, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about recovery, because I feel like, like how I mean, and especially with the twins, like, how did you prepare for this? Did you make sure that you had like your partner home for a longer period of time? Did you recruit like in-laws or parents that come help you? Like, like, how did you manage 
to, cause you, I mean, how are you supposed to lift up these babies? How are you supposed to feed them? Like, what's like, how did you get through this? Like, well, you know, I just have so many questions. Immediately in the hospital afterwards. And I was in the hospital for five days after delivering these gals. And I think that from a recovery standpoint, even in the hospital, the whole notion that you're not going to win a trophy for any of this stuff, right? Like, the, or, or, you know, the phrase, don't be a hero, like really staying on top of hydrating and my medicine, you know, a pain medication that I never would have ever considered taking, but, but then I'm like, oh, I think I probably need this and allowing my partner to help me stay on top of all of that. So I nursed immediately after. And even though he could not help with that, the actual act, of course, the fact that I had had a cesarean, I mean, you know, he's like running laps in this hospital room. And then when we got home, the same thing, he's getting baby A and getting baby B and, you know, <laughs> we'd, we'd call it hooking them up, you know, and <laughs> getting them in the right spot and allowing him to log it all. That's the thing with multiples. Because especially with mine being so different in size, because that always that, that was always the case up until now, one is four inches taller than the other. But just logging all of the information, you know, so baby A ate, you know, this breast for this long and baby B ate this breast for this long. And, and I understand veteran moms might not necessarily need to go that route. But for us and having two on day one of being parents you know, baby A had a wet diaper, baby B had a wet diaper, Whitney took her medicine at 9am, due for it at noon, you know, he would log all that stuff. And it really was helpful. <laughs> and it sounds small, and it sounds really silly, maybe, but that was just one thing I didn't have to think about. It was like he was kind of orchestrating things when he probably at that time, didn't feel like he could help that much. You know what I mean? So that was one thing, like being organized with medicine and letting my partner help me in organizing feedings and trying to not necessarily get on a schedule by any means. I think that's a little unreasonable to ask in week one, two, three, maybe, <laughs> maybe ever. I don't know. But with multiples, it's kind of like the ride or die. At least that's how we, we looked at it. So recovering in terms of keeping track of medication and recovering in terms of staying organized. Those were things, picking up the babies, bringing them to me. I didn't change a diaper until the girls were probably five weeks old. He did it. He tackled it. And we are very privileged in the sense that, and fortunate in the sense that we both work from home. He worked from home. If somebody had a blowout, I'd holler up to him. <laughs> Hey, help me. And it really, I leaned on him a whole lot because we brought home two babies to a hot, to a house that was 105 years old. And the, the one bathroom in the house was on the second floor and you're not supposed to climb steps. FYI. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot, but that's kind of what my recovery looked like for the first few weeks, really. Now, is there, is, is there anything that you really found helpful? Like any, I don't know, creams, lotions, a certain 
pillow, just like anything that you found really helpful for um, you? So a pillow never left me ever from the from the time they wheeled me into my like recovery room <laughs> to pro- I mean it was weeks and weeks and weeks. I cannot recommend enough just have a pillow with you. Take it with you to the bathroom. Take it with you to the dinner table. I would put it on my stomach and it just for whatever reason made me feel like my insides were not going to fall out. <laughs> Yeah. Did you use like a belt? Like, did you use any of those like C-section? I know like there's so many thoughts about it post-vaginal and they actually don't recommend it just because of a a bunch of different reasons. But I know for C-sections though, sometimes they do recommend them, I think. I'm not really sure, but you did use one. Yep, I did. I used one. Now that was seven years ago. So to your point, so much changes and evolves and as it should, Mm -hmm. but I did use one and I found it to be very helpful because of that just constant feeling like if I move the wrong way, am I going to see an organ? Like I just, yeah, <laughs> just, and you have no muscles anymore right. in that area of right. your body. You right. really don't. Right. Another thing that I found really helpful, and again, this is super simple and I'm assuming could be used for vaginal recovery and or cesarean. No one talked about how bad your back is going to hurt after delivering a baby. And I don't know if the C-section just amplified that because of the lack of core to to kind of balance yourself and to, while you're sitting up or when you are able to pick up your baby, the core muscles just aren't there. And so your back is just doing all of this extra work, not to mention just got rid of a ton of weight that it was <laughs> helping you carry for months. I had a pillow and a heating pad by me at all times for weeks. And weeks. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, so from from a vaginal perspective, I don't remember like excruciating back pain per se, although I did have back labor. But once the baby was delivered, I, I don't remember like being like, ooh, that was really terrible. I do remember having a lot of tailbone pain. So like pain lower down. I do think though, I also just walked around with a heating pad. I think it's just like, like it's just like part of the recovery, <laughs> right? It's just like having one makes me feel good. <laughs> As far as creams, you know, like my big fat Greek wedding when the guy just sprays Windex on everything. Windex yeah, yeah, yeah. Is all, that's how I feel about Aquaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Slather it on everything. Just really mm-hmm. every everywhere, everything. Scar once you can, you know, mm-hmm. that was just like the product for me and for the baby, of course. <laughs> yeah. You didn't use anything others, anything specific for your scar than Aquaphor. No. It was that. I think I might have had a little, maybe vitamin E, but really it was Aquaphor. It was moisturization, Aquaphor. Nobody talks about the pain in your scar afterwards and or numbness. I think I might have read about it, but I was just kind of like, oh, okay. It really is bizarre feeling. <laughs> so I would take Aquaphor, I mean, really anything, lotion, just and just try to massage that area. That helped me big time. And I feel like My scar, my sister ended up having a cesarean and my scar is twice the length of hers. And I'm assuming it's just from having twins and just my body stretching more. I don't know. This podcast episode is brought to you by Bobby. Bobby is an organic infant formula with a European inspired formula crafted in America, delivered right to your doorstep that meets all the FDA requirements and is founded by moms. 
This is the formula I used with our last baby when I noticed my supply dropping. Bobby is the only USDA organic, clean label certified formula in the U.S. Their medical team consists of OBGYN pediatricians, researchers, pediatric dietitians, and nurses, lactation consultants, and one doula. When it comes to ingredients, they believe every ingredient counts, and choosing anything less than top quality is irresponsible. I love that they're trying to change the script of feeding babies formula. As a mother, we have so much to worry about, and how our baby is fed does not need to be one of them. They want to provide moms with confidence, not comparison. Normalize feeding and shift the stigma from how you feed to what you feed. You can use the code Motherhood Meets Medicine 10 for 10% off your order. That's Motherhood Meets Medicine 10 for 10% off. When you went to the hospital, was there anything that you brought with you, like specific to like preparing for a C? Oh, I mean, did you even know you were having one before you went in there? I mean, what? Oh, so I mean, you really did. But did you wish that you had something with you? Definitely. I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of moms would say this, but it, back to the whole pillow thing. <laughs> like, <just bring laughs> back all to the, the pillow. The take home for this full, episode. <laughs> yeah. Pack a full suitcase of pillows. No, I really you know, there's like big checklists and things like that. I, that people stress over, I just didn't, I couldn't tell you what I took and I couldn't tell you anything that I missed. (laughs) You know, it was just, that just was not a, that was not a huge, you know, issue for me. I, I don't, I don't recall anything really helping me out other than I asked for the belly band there. Okay, I and they gave it to you. I asked them for that, yes. Mm-hmm. And they had one for me. So don't hesitate to ask if mm-hmm. it's still an allowed thing. <laughs> yeah. But I did ask for that. Yeah. What are some other things that you would have advocated for for yourself, kind of looking back? Is there anything that you wish you kind of mentioned or had, like, or asked for? Yes. So this might be like an unpopular. <laughs> I know everyone has a job at the hospital. Those are very well-oiled machines and especially those labor and delivery floors. I come from a long history of nurses in my family and pharmacists and I have the utmost respect for the field. What I will say though is that once you have a baby, whether it's a nurse, a lactation consultant, a pediatrician, a resident, a therapist, (laughs) a staff member, like looking for you to participate in some trial or something. It seemed like every 30 seconds, somebody was coming into that room. It really did. And it, it was so utterly exhausting. And I've talked to girlfriends about this and it really doesn't matter how you bring your child into the world. They all agree. They've all had that same experience. They couldn't rest at all. No, Um, Nope. it's every couple hours. Yeah. And, <laughs> but it feels like every couple seconds, I know. that's what it feels like. I know. And I get it. I understand the, the purpose of the resources and the, the pamphlets and the questions. I, I ultimately, I understand all of that is to help a new mom, but I truly think that that is kind of a brutal way to, to quote unquote recover, especially since you didn't just give birth, you just had major surgery too. So I think advocating for yourself in a situation might be something as simple as like, again, I was in the hospital for five days. I was like the old cranky broad at the end of the hall. (laughs) (laughs) Like 
<laughs> you know, that had had been extended stay. But at the end, I mean, I had, I stuck a note on the door. I didn't, partner did. Stuck a note on the door and it truly, it said something to the effect of like, baby A pooped and peed, baby boo, oh baby B pooped and peed. Both, both nurse for 10 minutes. They're sleeping. Mama needs no hospital visitors until 2 p.m. Like, <laughs> like nobody enter this room. Don't enter this room. And that might have been ridiculous and like a total diva thing. But that is such a simple way to advocate for yourself. Like, guys, I need I need a minute. Can you just give me just give me 45 minutes? I just need to rest my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you need to do that for yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, another thing I was thinking about, and again, especially first-time moms, like you don't, you, you're new to the whole gig, right? You have no idea what's next. You have no idea what to expect. And I think, as far as advocating yourself to to take the time with your OB when they come by, when they ask questions, to check on you after your surgery, after your delivery, tell them how you are feeling. And what you might be struggling with and maybe what you need. When my OB stopped by, Lindsay, she she asked me, how are things? And then I just got this crazy like rush of feeling. And I went into complete detail about my babies. I talked about, you know, how they were feeding, their like liver function, the number of poopy diapers. I went on and on and on. And she finally stopped me and she said, no, honey, how are you? How are you doing? And it didn't register that my doctor was there to check on me. I mean, I just went through a big thing. And you don't even think about it. You know, this doesn't even stop, right? Like no. what you just described is like every day, right? It's like motherhood. We're always, general. exactly, exactly. And that's part of the problem, right? Because we're never like, putting ourselves first because either like we don't think it's that important or we don't have time or, you know, whatever. It's like not the even reasons on your mind. Are. No, no, <laughs> no. It's like all these other things constant and it's constant. It's like this. It's actually like I tell my husband all the time. I'm like, it's really hard to be inside my own head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like if you the could just be load. in there for a couple hours, you would understand because like, I'm just, it's constant. I'm thinking, okay, what has to happen in the next hour? What has to happen in the next day? What has to happen in the next week? Okay. Like groceries, meals, like kids activities, like all the things, <laughs> you and know, and it can really start from truly day one, whether you push them out or they're cut out or you're adopting or it doesn't matter. It is, it truly starts from day one. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what else, what else do you think you want to talk about? You know, when you initially reached out, you know, about this topic, I think what compelled me to send you an email, which was totally random, by the way, I don't like I don't have a Facebook anymore. I don't have an Instagram account where I post anything anymore. I totally I pulled a Lindsay. I got <laughs> out of it all. I love it. I'm better for it, truly. And so I don't really converse with any one that I follow, which is like a handful of people. I mean, it's it's like 20 people. And you're one of them. Motherhood means medicine is one of them. And I, I send an email and I think what compelled me to do that is not just the topic matter or the subject matter and, and the, you know, my experience and some of the things I really, truly wish I would have known. But I think as the years went on after delivering my girls, becoming a mom, just 
the whole mother's intuition and listening to your body. And it really took me a long time not to have those feelings and that intuition. It took me a long time to actually pay attention. And I mean, a really long time. I mean, I suffered postpartum depression and then I was diagnosed with PMDD, premenstrual dysmorphic disorder. I think I got that right. But I suffered for a long time and it's like I always knew something was up. I always knew and I never really said anything. So I think it's a lesson for me, certainly, but for anybody, you know, whether you have a C-section or you, you know, you're feeling really poorly afterwards and you just don't feel okay. It's There is no normal, but it's like you just don't feel okay. I just think that over time, getting gaining the confidence through therapy, all of that kind of compelled me. When I saw your note, I thought, oh, I need to reach out about this. Like, I, I just feel like I'm in a place where I'm confident enough to do it, really. No, I love that. I think intuition is, I mean, I, this is how moms have survived after they've had their children for for years and years and years and years, right? I mean, we are th- so incredibly grateful to be able to like have modern medicine at the drop of a hat here that allows us to recover from certain things that we wouldn't have recovered from even 50, 100 years ago. Intuition is is what has helped us to maintain ourselves and our babies after we give give birth. So I think that is just something that's instilled in us from the early, early, early years of of just producing babies and, well, and making the world go round and survive. Yeah. yeah, and survival. And so I do think it's one of the most the one of the strongest things that we have, you know, as moms. And that's just like immediate. It's like just this immediate thing. I mean, even the second you start growing the baby, you know, you have that. And and just trusting it. I mm-hmm. really like I, again, I don't know if it was my pregnancy, my delivery, just the hormones in general, the the postpartum stuff. I don't know what it was, but for a long, long time, I I lost that confidence in really listening to the intuition and listening to all of it. Not necessarily when it came to like the health of my children. I mean, I, I that's like the the whole you know, you're a mama bear <laughs> from day one and it just never, truly, it never goes away. But more about myself, my recovery, my body. I just, I don't know. I just didn't really feel like I kind of held on to that intuition for myself. And I wish I would have more after having the girls. Do you think that's just like something that has just come with with the years that you've kind of put on as a mom that you became more confident and just like like how you feel and, you know, this isn't right. Because I, I, I wish that we could somehow describe that to, to people that are listening that might be becoming first-time moms and just saying, you know, listen, and especially, I mean, especially in America where we just don't get the care that we need. We, we just don't. We don't. And, and it's crazy to think that you can just go be on your own for six weeks at home before you're ever seen again by someone. And in most of the countries that are similar to ours, there's follow-up within the next few days, weeks even, and and more follow-up if you need it. And I would say most women need it. You know, most people that are giving birth need help. <laughs> it's just like not supposed to be done by yourself, right? Like that is crazy. So yeah, I just, I mean, there's so much more to say about that. Well, and I think it's, it's again, the the whole notion of normal 
I learned a long time ago. And, and I think really it w- one of my daughters is disabled and diagnosed at 13 months. And it was right around that time where like, that's where that kind of listening to that intuition and listening to, because I was so in tune with her and I was so, um, both my girls, but really, really in tune with her. It's like, I kind of turned that back on myself and I thought, well, wait a minute. Okay. She's got a lot going on. I'm, I'm paying a lot of attention to her as I should. But now I'm thinking I need to call attention to some things that I'm noticing with me. And I've been noticing them for a long time and I've never said anything. But now I've I've really got to advocate for this child in a different way than I ever, ever planned. And so why don't I I do that for myself, too? That's that was a turning point for me as far as is gaining that confidence back or maybe gaining it for the first time. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I agree. I think, you know, it took years to be very confident. I mean, as it would with anything that you do or that you're learning how to do. Right. You know, but to your point, like just to remember, like deep down, we are made to be able to do this, you know, like, and, and, you know, have this intuition and to just sticking with your gut. And if you think you need to go, you know, see someone sooner, you make, you don't have to wait to a six week appointment. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to like wait to ask questions. Like you just, if you have a feeling about something, you know, you call your provider and say, Hey, listen, like this is happening. Should I be seen? You know, That's so um, true. yeah, it's like, it's like we it, think it we, is we have ingrained to like, in you. Yeah. And and you <laughs> think, first of all, you're not prepared, right? So you, you have no idea what to expect. So you're like, oh, well, this must be normal. Like that's, that's, that's your automatic, most people's automatic, you know, response to something happening is, oh, well, this must be part of the process. You know, I'll just wait. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that way, you know? And I think in this day and age too, it's great because a lot of providers now have this like access online. We have like, we have like my charts. So you can like literally go in there and just message somebody from the practice and you'll get a response usually in like 24 hours. So it could be something as simple as like sending a message through there and saying, this is happening. Is this normal or should I be seen? Or, you know, if I could yeah. look back and, and tell myself through the whole C-section, I mean, all of that, there is no reason to white knuckle it through any of this. There is no reason to white knuckle <laughs> your your experience as a mom or as a person <laughs> in general. There is no reason to do that to yourself. And I truly wish I could have like put my hands on my shoulders and <laughs> looked myself right in the face and said, say something, speak up, ask more questions. It's okay, do it hindsight. Now there are great podcasts like this. And I hope that if there are, you know, new parents out there that listen to this or any of your amazing podcasts that episodes that they get that and they have more confidence than certainly I did because it's, it's silly. It really is silly to live like that. All right. So let me ask you two questions that I always ask everybody I interview. So the first, you know, it can be about anything. It doesn't have to be about what we talked about. So one piece of advice that you would give moms, just one thing that you feel really passionate about that you would tell a new mom. We did kind of talk about this, but I cannot reiterate enough that even as a new mom, even as a green, naive, new newbie, 
New Kid on the Block, the way you feel about your child, about the safety of your child, about how your child looks, how your child cries, how your baby is eating, the way you feel matters. So if something doesn't feel right, you are the best person to advocate for that baby. And and additionally, you're the best person to advocate for yourself. And the confidence has got to be there. You've got to believe in yourself to do those things because you'll be better for it. You will set a better example for your children for it. And that is one thing I would I would absolutely say to new parents, to new moms. Yes. All right. Second thing is if you could make one meal that everybody would eat in your family that's relatively quick and easy, what would it be? One meal that's relatively quick and easy. Oh, oh my gosh. Half-baked harvest. Oh my gosh. Please. I, anyways, amazing recipes. I I would say 90% of my recipes are from there. Agreed. So she has the like, the penne, the vodka a la penne, two ways. And I've- Two ways. Yeah, it's two. You can either bake it or you can just serve it right out of the pot. And- I would make that because now that I've made it 768,000 times, it's easy. It was always easy, but like now it's really easy. (laughs) Okay. But she has like a million different ones here. Like which one is it? It's in her, this one's in a book. This one is in her, um, this one. I have two of her books. So maybe I think I'll It's not made in a crock pot, right? No, no. It's served two ways. You can either make it, it's like a one pot situation and then you serve it right out of there, or you can put it into a pan, sprinkle a little more cheese on the top <laughs> and bake it. Oh, yummy. I, yeah. So if you can send it to me, cause I'll include it absolutely. in the show notes, but yeah, she has like a billion on here. I will send it to you. So who I knows which one it actually is, but awesome. Penny Alavaca is like one of my favorite dishes. Oh, ever so do you like add anything like do you try to add any like protein or a veggie or do you just so i'll sneak as? i'll sneak spinach i'll sneak like if i dice mushrooms to there till there's no tomorrow <laughs> so that they just disintegrate basically so that one of my girls yeah one of my girls despises any any vegetable at the moment except for a potato god love her and my husband is not a mushroom guy. But if I can like pulverize those bad boys and put that in that sauce, it's so good and they'll never know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great idea, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Between that and like sneaking stuff into smoothies, it's like, oh gosh. So easy. Yes. Yeah. Little yeah. protein, little, little, uh, scoop of protein, mm-hmm. little, oh yeah, spinach, kale. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. I will send you that recipe. Yeah. It, it'll make your day. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. It's going to go on my list for next week. This is like one of the reasons why I love asking people this question. I just like take notes and then I just make them and it's so great. Good. It's a great way. To, I mean, I, I feel like meal planning is like the, one of the hardest things about parenting. Well, okay. So I totally agree. And this is our second week of subscribing to one of those meal services, which I, I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to be able to buy my own produce. I want to be able to fix what I, you know, try new things. But sometimes on the nights that it's gymnastics and, and piano and all, all the things, jazz, all the things, dance, whatever, it's just not feasible. And I would much rather it be one of these subscription, like 
step by step and it, which they're delicious by the way. So I've done home chef and then now we're doing, which that was years ago. And then now we're doing hello fresh. And right now the hello fresh, I like better just for the variety. One thing I don't like is the portion size. My God. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I always had trouble with that because of, as a family of six, I'm like, I can't, this is not, I can't do this. Like, and yeah. And so I like to, so now, yeah, so I've kind of like weaned myself off of those because it just never makes sense for us. And I love being able to have extra for lunch the next day, not necessarily for the kids, but for us, like for my husband and I, you know? So now I just, I, whenever I make like a half-baked harvest, you can like adjust the servings and I just put it to eight and I just cook it for eight. I know. Her, every meal. So she's <laughs> During my Instagram purge, I would dare never to... <laughs> Delete or Tegan. unfollow half faced half big harvest team. Oh my oh, god. god. I could not live without she it's like therapy. She's <laughs> she's the one newsletter that I have delivered to my inbox because I only go I go on. So I used to have somebody that would would help me with because I didn't want to go on social media, right? So I had my friend was going on there and posting from I mean I, all I did was is post episodes. That's that's all that happens on on that Instagram feed. And I only do it because people were like, "Well, how am I going to know you post?" I I get that some people still use it, right? Like I'm 80% of people still use social media, right? So it's like everybody. <laughs> so 20% don't. But oh my gosh, where was I going with this? Well, did somebody go in and, and put in a newsletter, like a subscription? Oh, right. So, so newsletter. Okay. So, thank you for bringing me back to where I was going. I still have not had <laughs> enough coffee clearly today. I'm like, oh my gosh, brain farting all over the place. So newsletter. So I would, I, I all I did was when I like purged off of Instagram and deleted it, I, I signed up for very few newsletters. And like you, I was like, how will I ever keep up with Tegan and all of her amazing recipes? So I had signed up for her newsletter. And so she sends at the beginning of every week, she sends like a meal plan for the week. So like, just like all these. Yeah. And she'll send out new recipes. And it's just like, I just save all of them. If you include this in the podcast, and there are any people that are listening to this (laughs) that do not follow Half-Baked Harvest or have not heard of it, my God. Yeah. Please do yourself a favor. Yeah. Yeah. No, really. I mean, that's where I get like all of my recipes. So thank you, Tegan. Yep. (laughs) Shout out. Yeah. Cheers. All right. Well, Whitney, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know you're very busy and I just really appreciated you shedding some light on your experience. No, thank you very much. I'm just a regular old gal. That's certainly a fan of yours. I do love your podcast. I loved your page when you had it, but obviously get it. (laughs) Obviously get it. Um, And yeah, this was fun. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.